as we enter into this month of October, many minds and thoughts are turned towards the holiday during this month, that of Halloween. And one of the ways that Halloween is celebrated is that if you turn on the television, horror movies, there's a plethora of them. There's a cornucopia of horror movies upon the television. And there's many different genres within the horror movie subgenres. And my favorite, of course, is the old school monster movie, like the old universal monster movies with Boris Karloff and Vincent Price and Christopher Lee with Dracula and the creature from the Black Lagoon. But the most popular subgenre of horror movies today, in fact, it's almost an obsession about this particular genre, is that of the possession movie. The movie about movies about demonic possession. In fact, during this time of the year, the highest grossing films are normally movies that deal with this subject. Horror films about demonic possessions. Now, if I were to go and tell you, there are people in the world today who are demonically possessed. There are people in the world who are possessed. You would say to yourself, makes sense. There's evil in the world. There's bad people in the world. Bad things happen. We believe the devil is real and that he is at work in creation, that he is in wor at work in the world. So you wouldn't think much of it. You'd be like, okay, Father, you're stating a common fact. But what if I were to tell you that there are people today in this church who are possessed? Hmm. Now you start looking around. Some of you may be even looking at particular individuals saying, I knew it. But what if I were to tell you and go even further with this and say that maybe you are possessed and you don't even know it? That's a scary thought, isn't it? I am possessed, but I do not even know it. Now, what do you mean by this, Father? Now, I do not mean demonically possessed. I do not believe that any of you, none of you have shown signs, none of you burst into flames and you walked into the premises or scalded yourself when you put your fingers in the holy water fount. What I am talking about is a type of possession that is just as diabolical, that is just as dangerous for the immortal soul of the Christian, a type of possession that the devil makes effective use of. For why send his shock troops when he can get us with a lesser thing? The type of possession I'm talking of, this undiagnosed possession, is seen in today's gospel. Now, you may be asking yourself again, Father, Father, what are you talking about? We didn't hear about demons. We didn't hear about devils. We didn't hear about Jesus casting anything out. But we did hear about possession. Particularly, we heard about possessions. And it's in this image of the rich young man or not really young man, in Matthew's gospel, it's a rich young man. In today's gospel, it's a man, a rich man who comes to Jesus. And what happens here? He runs up to Jesus, falls at his knees, to his knees and asks the Lord, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what's Jesus's response? Jesus's response is follow the commandments. Live the good Jewish life as God has called you to. And the man answers, I've done all these things for my youth. What more is there to do for me to inherit eternal life? 
And Jesus says, this is good, you have done all these things, but one more thing you must do. Go sell what you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. Now, you would think at this, if this man is pursuing God, if he is living out righteousness, you would think that if he's living out the commandments, everything's in order inside, that there's no issues here, that there's nothing problematic. And you would think that he would go and sell his possessions just as Zacchaeus did, give half his possessions away. But no, what do we see happens? It says that at these words, his face fell. And he went away sad, for he had many possessions. This man, this rich man, had a possession. He was possessed by his possessions. He was so overly attached to something that he did not have the freedom to answer the same call that Christ gave to each and every one of the apostles. What did he give to Peter and them? He says, come and follow me. What did he give to the sons of Zebedee in their father's boat? Come and follow me. What did he tell Matthew the tax collector? Come and follow me. He was giving this rich man the apostolic invitation to come and encounter him, to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. And you would think if someone was living out the commandments and living the good Jewish life, one that was expectant of the kingdom of God and the Messiah, that he would drop everything and go. But no, he was so attached to his possessions, he did not have the freedom. And that's the possession I'm talking about. Maybe there is something in our lives that has a hold on us so tightly, or maybe we're holding on it so tightly, that we do not have the freedom to answer the call Christ is giving to each and every one of us to come and follow me. Jesus gives an example, a further alliteration of this example in the gospel when he talks about a camel passing through the eye of a needle. Now, if anyone here has ever had to sew a button back on to a garment, you know how hard it is to get a thread through that eye of the needle. It's almost impossible, at least for me it is. But the eye of the needle that Jesus is referencing is not the sewing needle eye. In fact, he's referencing a particular gate in Jerusalem that was a very short gate. It was very small. It was called, that's why they called it the eye of the needle. And so to enter this, a merchant, so merchants were usually very affluent individuals. They had a lot of possessions. They were bringing things to market. A lot of them would bring it on camels. And if you've ever seen a camel, camel is pretty tall. And it's even taller when you have everything on top of it, all these possessions, all these burdens, all these things, and then the rider on top. So to enter through the eye of the needle, the camel actually has to duck down. You can't do that with all that attachments on it. You can't do it with it encumbered with all those things. You can't do it with the rider on it. So thus for the camel to pass through the eye of the needle, it has to become unburdened. It has to become detached from its cargo. This is the same reality for the Christian life, that we must learn to become detached from things that keep us from Christ, that we use them in a healthy way. And you may be asking yourself, but Father, what kind of possessions are you talking about? What could be possessing me? Using the example of the rich man, it could be your wealth. It could be the acquisition of wealth. It could be the keeping of wealth. It could be the fear of loss of wealth that keeps you from following Christ and the particular thing he's calling you to do. It could be your position. 
your place of authority. It could be your status. It could be your honor. It could be your pride. It could be these things that you have cultivated, things that are good in society's eyes, but keep us from living out the gospel. Maybe it's fear, fear of change, fear of the unknown, fear of giving up comforts. A lot of us like our lifestyle. We don't want our lifestyle to change, even if it's in opposition to the gospel. We don't like change. Maybe it's our time. Maybe we fear that if we give of our time to Christ, that we won't have our time to ourselves. Something that many of us hold very precious, that solitude, that whatever that time is that we're doing our own thing. So the question is with this, something is possessing you if it keeps you from having that freedom to heed the call of Christ to come and follow me. And the devil uses these attachments, these burdens, these possessions of our heart to keep us in chains, to keep us occupied, to keep us from the potential of what Christ is calling each and every one of us to do in the Christian life. How then are we to remove this possession from our heart? How are to we remove this thing, whatever it may be? Well, this week, we have a grand opportunity. Um, today at noon, we posted on the parish social media an examination of conscience that goes through some of the things in a little bit deeper of things that could be possessing you, things that could be keeping you in chains and from the freedom that Christ wants to give you. And imagine if each of us took that examination of conscience, prayed with it, and found that one thing that we see that is particularly possessing us. And then we went to the Lord and prayed about it and asked him, Lord, take this away from me. Give me freedom. That'd be an amazing thing. But be even more powerful is if we went to our Lord in the sacrament of confession to bring these attachments, these possessions that are having a hold of us in our life and telling the Lord, I am sorry that I have put this before you. I am sorry that I've held on to this instead of clinging to you. The beautiful thing about the sacrament of confession is not only does it remove sins, but it is a sacrament of freedom and liberation. For it frees us from the chains of sin. It frees us from those things that burden and bind us. So imagine if each of us took one of those things that maybe are possessing us and bring that to our Lord. Imagine how much freer our parish would be to live out the gospel. Imagine how much more fruitful it would be if each and every one of us were giving ourselves to the fullness to Christ in our daily lives, that we had the freedom to come and follow him. Thus the question is, what is possessing you and what are you gonna do about it?